Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men. Listen, I have my own podcast. I have my own podcast studio. I don't really care about those. What I really care about is the Real Nerds podcast, the best podcast in the universe, in the multiverse, in in... On all Earth, 616 and beyond, listen to it, subscribe right now, and uh, listen to this episode, listen to all the episodes, but especially listen to, the, listen to the one that I'm on. It might be the best. Thank you, guys. is Real Nerds Podcast, and for over 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Spider-Man No Way Home. I am joined this week by Brad. Hey. Zach. Hello. And Corinne, are you still in Kansas? I am, yep. Soccer. I'll be here until after <laughs> Christmas. State ever. Nah, that's West Virginia. No, nah, West Virginia is actually really nice. Mm, I've been. I've opened problems. a keto over there. <laughs> I've also opened a keto over in Hutchinson, Kansas. So I've been to both. Can I tell you something, Ryan? Well, I think I've fallen in love with Qdoba this past week. Yeah, that's like, good. Yeah, I, I went over there. Um, I went over there with Malia, and we got uh, their queso and chips, and just dipped on them. And I was just like, man, I've been missing so much. Like, yeah. I don't think I'd ever had their queso before. Uh, Qdoba. I do like it that you get queso for free on your burritos and stuff. Because mm-hmm. they don't do that at Chipotle. Oh, no, no, no. No, you can get free queso at Chipotle if you are getting a quesadilla with them. And that's like one of their sides. But their queso is not good. Um, funny story. Uh, you actually really don't get it free at Qdoba. They raise their prices like 15%. I know this because I was there when they did it. Oh, are you <laughs> saying that Qdoba has been lying to me just as I entered a lot lasting friendship with it? Yeah, uh, but Qdoba, <laughs> fun fact, it's not actually three cheese queso. There's six cheeses in it. Just three cheese sounds better. Uh... Do you feel better now that you know that? <laughs> no, not really. It did it did it? it it didn't raise. It didn't raise my salary. It didn't provide a an affordable place to live. So, no. This it just happens when you know you work there for six years and you're you're a corporate trainer and you see the beautiful Hutchinson, Kansases and Charleston, West Virginiasins, and some shit place in Nebraska and some shit place in Wyoming. 
and some shit place in Utah. You just really see shit places. <laughs> just just a, sh- a sea of shit is what you're telling me. Yes. But Dang. we also talk about uh, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray movie news, stuff we've been watching. But because this is my show and I do whatever the fuck I want to do on my show. This week, our movie of the week is Spider-Man No Way Home. Brad, what, what, what? did you recommend Spider-Man No Way Home? Oh my god, we're doing next year's format already? <laughs> I'm uh, just, we're gonna I'd end lo- game it. Yes. I just love throwing good curveballs. Yeah, I, 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 I wasn't prepared for this at all. Um, what was the question? Do you recommend Spider-Man No Way Home? I mean, again, if if you you and I have the same movie taste, then yes, uh, this might be one of the best movies of the year. Uh, Brad, you're a critic. You need to you know, like say yes or no. You don't have to, you know, put a little qualifier on it. Yeah, no, R- R- Ryan. If he was a critic, he would go. It stinks. Yo, I am not a critic, and <laughs> um. You are an actor. <laughs> Roger Ebert was a critic, and I wouldn't agree with. I wouldn't watch the movies that he liked. So, you know, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> wow, way to spit on Ebert's grave. Jesus, he's fine. Well, it's like he could say anything <laughs> about it Be- because he had throat cancer and couldn't talk the last ten years of his life. Ryan, come on, dude, <laughs> dude. What? Oh, I kill you with truth. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay, Brad, like, that's one of the best movies of the year. Corinne? You know, um, it was a little long and kind of derivative of everything that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did better. And I kind of just checked out at the end and I just couldn't mess with you. And now it's like the best movie of all time. So I'll go see it like a billion times. Yay. Zach? <laughs> Whew. I guess whatever I say will determine whether or not Ryan comes to my house and beats me to death. Um, of course, I love the movie. Um, I, I think it's possibly my second favorite Spider-Man movie ever now at this point. Um, and but we, I, I can't get into why until we talk about the plot. So, yes, go see it. Clearly, everybody's seen it. The only news story we have this week is that it's the top grossing movie since the pandemic. <laughs> Like, so, uh, yeah, of course, go see this movie. As the uh, neighborhood, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man fan. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's uh, certain movies that you wait your whole life to see. And sometimes you don't know when you're going to see them. And this is uh, one of them. This is one of the greatest theater experiences I've ever had. And as a Spider-Man fan, it's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I mean, who hasn't? I mean, it's already made like $300 million in like four days. So go see it. Here's the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. Watch that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We 
started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. starting to come through and I can't stop them. December 17th exclusively at movie theaters. Tickets on sale November 29th. Spider Monday. Sweet. So uh Spider-Man No Way Home starts right where Far From Home left off where Spider-Man his identity is revealed by Quentin Beck and picked up by J Jonah Jameson who in this universe is an Alex Jones type and by doing that, uh-huh. he um, is now wanted by the government. And you know, the trailer kind of plays it out for you. He goes, sees Dr. Strange. He does a spell. But Peter, being Peter, decides to get in the way. And uh, he messes the spell up. And it's cool because uh, Strange thinks he contains it. But he doesn't. What ends up happening is it unleashes everybody who knows who peter parker is into their universe and um that's why we get alfred molina as doc ock willem dafoe as the green goblin jamie fox as electro thomas hayden church sandman and the lizard guy is he really in the movie i can tell he, he is not very much they definitely no, I mean, like, had like, like a tear of uh, oh. Right. Yeah, he's in there at the end when they right. no, I mean I couldn't tell if that was just leftover footage from uh, Amazing Spider-Man or he actually filmed scenes. Ryan, he has a name. His name is Reese Fons. Oh, that's right. Um but yeah, so uh by this happening, uh Peter doesn't think it's his responsibility 
to save them and he wants to send them back but may tells him that his job is to help people that's what spider-man does and that's how we propel this movie forward Mm -hmm. and it's i i I can't even tell you like um being a spider-man fan what i loved about this movie um and I am not beholden to any origin story or who, who Peter Parker is. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, it, it, the color of his skin or who he is underneath the mask doesn't matter. It's who he or is who as a person. Is. Yeah. It's who he is as a person. So what I loved about this movie and what shocked me the most is it's Spider-Man's origin story after he's become spider-man because yeah what, <laughs> what this movie did really smartly is stripped him away of everything that he is in the marvel cinematic universe and left him alone and i mean that's all the way at the end of the movie but um i did not know i was getting a spider-man origin story and it's like, but it's like the best version of the origin story we've gotten since Raimi did the origin story. And it's because, you know, they never really mentioned uh, Uncle Ben in the MCU. There's an off comment that Pete makes when he meets Tony Stark in Civil War that he says, when I have when you have the powers I do, you don't help those people. You know, it's kind of that. But they never mention if Uncle Ben. I don't think he's in the universe in at all because yeah, he's I not think, very I think next to yeah, I think it's literally just Aunt May. So, well, I don't know about this version of Peter Parker, but I know that I was rewatching What If this week, and in the zombie episode, he does mention losing Uncle Ben. So, yeah, but I mean, the zombie universe is an MCU Peter Parker. He's the, uh, I know this because I got the Zombie Hunter Spider Man figure. It's like Earth, it's a different number. Um, right. But yeah, obviously. Uh, but he also, does he ever, I was trying to think, and I don't know if he does he ever refer to her as Aunt May either. I swear he just calls her May all the time. So did, yeah, she, did just she adopt him? Adopt or... him? Or is she just a friend? I don't know. Oh, it's fine. Ooh, did, she, did she find him on a doorstep of a monastery and then she <laughs> renounced her vows? No. <laughs> I think but he sometimes there's... refers to her like when he's talking to other people as like his Aunt May. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. He certainly um, doesn't he doesn't certainly doesn't refer to his uncle happy because uh they've broken up guys. <laughs> yeah. But this movie is so smart and when you have because you're having so many villains, and yes, a big selling point is you know, you know Willem Dafoe as Goblin and you know Alfred Molina. I mean that's a selling point, but to have it pulled off and I I was texting Zach uh before he went and saw it and i told him that willem dafoe is like the mvp of this movie because ryan he's the main villain of the movie oh yeah (laughs) because it's just i I don't know there's just like moments that as a spider-man fan that you're taking something i know so well and then you're changing it enough for it to be awesome as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you're taking what i know about the willem dafoe character in raimi's universe where he has he suffers from personality disorder 
you know, and I thought it was ingenious, even though you kind of know the twist is probably coming with, uh, you know, May telling Peter, you can't just send him back to die. That's not who you are. And MJ has that line, too, when Octavius mentions, why are you going to help us? And she says that because that's who he is. Can we um, can we quickly address though? There's this like really interesting, poignant moment where you have Defoe at that shelter with May. Oh yeah, and he's it, it, this is this is one of the reasons why Willem Defoe will always be one of our greatest actors. He plays Norman as as the damaged figure that he is from a more realistic point of view than he ever ever even got to do in the Raimi verse. Like the idea of a wandering homeless person with a personality disorder or, or who's struggling and who needs help. Like that's the angle he's playing. Like that's the motivation he's playing with as his ploy. And it's like, it's kind of a genius move on the story's part and on his part to incorporate that into the mix. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I saw opening day within the very first showing and there's just moments. I love seeing these movies with crowds so mm-hmm. much because it's in the trailer but uh you know when the goblin shows up and you hear <laughs> and the, the pumpkin bomb bounces my theater like cheered mm-hmm. and, oh I, um, I jumped in my seat <laughs> and people were going and you know octavius is shocked that he's alive and then when pete's pulled away by strange and, you know, the, you can hear the audience gasp in my theater. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I also think uh, Doctor Strange is really cool in this movie, too, because he's kind of an antagonist, too, where he, he, is this is this a is this like I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But like dick. when we get his when we get his fight scene where we take him into the mirror dimension. I, I feel like that's somehow the coolest version of the mirror dimension done yet. And keeping in mind that it was done beautifully in the, in the first Dr. Strange, that yeah, fight was just fucking incredible. It's because what's really cool is yeah. Pete messes up by, you know, fucking with the spell, but Cumberbatch plays strange with so much arrogance mm-hmm. that he thinks, even though Pete messed up his spell, he thinks he contained it and there's nothing to worry about. And I mean, there is, and by Pete wanting to save everybody and Strange not understanding it and just is, and Strange has a point too, you know, Um, but someone like, and that's what I love too, is this film explored, a lot of these villains are by accident in Spider-Man. Not a lot of them choose to be this way. And... Yes, because the real villain of Spider-Man's, any Spider-Man's universe is ultimately science. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and there's even like, there's a great moment with uh, Sandman and Electro. And he says, I fell in, you know, a vat of electric eels. You, I fell in a, I forget the name of the fucking sand displacer. Um, But also Jamie Foxx is awesome in this movie. Because the the scene where Peter brings him back to Happy's thing and he's working on curing him, one, Alfred Molina's turn is so good because he plays 
Octavius, you know, conflicted when he's talking to the kids in the wizard's dungeon where he wants to talk to him all of a sudden he gets pissed. And when he comes back to being, you know, Otto, who we met at the beginning of Spider-Man too, it's, I mean, as a Spider-Man fan, I loved it Um, because he's just being controlled by something else. And I don't know the turn at that moment uh, where Peter's Peter tingle goes off. And he's walking around. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And they play it that maybe Electros is going to be the one who snaps uh, because he doesn't want to lose his power. And uh, the instant change of Willem Dafoe from Norman Osborn to the Green Goblin is it's I think it's actually kind of scary. Um, I think he plays it well. So like two scenes before that or whenever whenever they were working and I think it's after Octavius has been cured, but it's before uh, the Peter Tingle thing happens. There's like that conversation where, you know, Octavius is like, you'll be whole again. You know, you won't have a darker half. Mm-hmm. And just the way Willem Dafoe liver- delivers just the simple phrase of like, yes, my darker half. It's yeah. like borderline between like goblin personality and mm-hmm. um, Osborne personality. And you can almost hear it like the second time around, you can really kind of hear the goblin delivery in that. Yep. And I mean, I think it's ingenious how they incorporated kind of a new green goblin costume by clothes that may found at feast where it's a purple hoodie and the, like the green jacket. Um, I mean, that was fun. Um, I mean, my theater went crazy when Matt Murdoch showed up. Oh, Um, Oh my fucking God. (laughs) They hit, they hit that very fucking well. Cause I didn't see that coming a mile away. Like that was great. And and so I must've, it must've, in a tipping point when Kevin Feige said a couple days prior, yeah, uh, Charlie Cox is part of the MCU now. I'm like, I guess I should have put the t- dots together, but well, they, they kind of went great. away when um, he they did the IMAX trailer and the guy in the uh, interrogation room because people were thought that that had been Charlie Cox and like, no, it's not. So I guess he's not in the movie. And uh, yeah, it was a fun little scene. Uh, yeah, I. I'm a really good, I, I a really good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I absolutely adore this movie. Brad, you're quiet. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, first up being that I, it, it kind of shocked me that after like 20 years of these big budget um, superhero movies, the plot to this one is the hero has to save the villains. Mm-hmm. Um. Like that just seems like wow! I can't believe no one's really done that before. Um, after all, after all, as many as we've had, so that was just like a really charming uh, story. And then, um, yeah, just seeing the other, you know, past Spider Men, Toby and Andrew. Uh, like when Andrew jumps and saves uh, Michelle, like even oh, dude, I, I, my I, heart I, of ice was just like. Oh my god, he got to redeem like a thing like that ruined him. <laughs> I lost it because uh I, and Andrew Garfield is so good in this movie. Um and I remember reading an interview with uh Kevin Feige after uh Amazing Spider-Man 2 and they did Homecoming and he 
told uh, Amy Pascal, the kind of the person who does Spider-Man movies, is that Andrew Garfield is really good as Spider-Man, but you guys are having him all over the place emotionally as Peter Parker, and he needs uh, you guys need to focus the narrative a little more. And him in this film is he is am- amazing in this film. And that, yeah, that moment I cried and, um, you know, in my theater, when even I should just be used to these portals, like revealing the greatest things ever, but you know, Ned talking about it. And it was funny. Cause when I saw it the second time, I missed the lines when he was talking to strange, he's like, you know, sometimes I feel tingles in my fingertips and my grandma says I, I have power. And, you know, Strange says, no, you need to see a, a real doctor or a physician. And he's letting him know that he actually does have these this magical ability. Um, but, I mean, I don't know how it was in your guys' theater, but when he says, show me Peter Parker, and uh, Peter 3 turns, and you can tell it's the Amazing Spider-Man suit, I people went crazy. Yeah, in, my, my uh, first screening was was nuts. Like... I literally every screen I've been to has been packed, but, yeah, um, me too. yeah, that first one was just inc- like off the hook. Like people got every reference. Um, you know, like when, uh, Willem Dafoe says, I'm something of a scientist myself. Like everyone gets <laughs> oh, the meme. God. Oh God. That callback. Um, yep. you know, uh, when, uh, Doc Ock is like, you know, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. And you know, <laughs> there is one, two thing. Like, I'm just like, I wish it wasn't so self-contained because, just imagine another movie where uh, Max Dylan has the arc reactor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, you know, in the interest of time played off, but like, if you really think about it, like him in possession of an arc reactor, is oh, yeah. really dangerous. <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean, like, Electro that could be a whole other already, movie. I mean, Electro is already a really dangerous villain. Um, and yeah, you get that included. And it, what's, cool even though this movie has so much in it everybody has a moment in it that you adore and you know and toby showing up dude i there's just parts of me that i i can't even explain the joy seeing this film and 20 years of movie going is played out in front of me and not only that is they gave everybody a redeeming arc everybody well, I mean, except Norman, but like <laughs> everybody gets one. And like I said, it's an origin story for, for Peter one, because even at, and when he fights the goblin in the condominium, one that fights brutal and awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it first, so big movie, that fight with green goblin was so contained and it showed the power of the green goblin that you never really saw before. Um, and hit how he, tr- I mean, and he makes good on his promise, uh, it from the first Spider-Man where he's trying to break Peter Parker. And so he, you know, he gets may and you're watching Pete's origin happen right there because even in the early ones, yeah, he's given these high tech suits and all this other stuff. And I, I mean, I lost it when May died because. Yeah, I cried, Ryan. I, I fucking lost it. But in, in my theater, um, she's like, I'm fine. And then uh, he walks away and she kind of like 
stumbles a little bit back. And in my theater, you could hear multiple people go, <gasps> as she mm-hmm. fell down. And dude, Tom Holland is so good in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, she, I mean, she says the line, you know, with great power, it must also come great responsibility is how it's written in the actual Spider-Man comic. Um, and, and she's right. And I mean, Toby says it, you know, she, she didn't die for nothing, which the rage that uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker has is understandable. Mm-hmm. And when they're all explaining their loss and, when uh, Peter three, Andrew Garfield's talking about the rage he had when Gwen Stacy died and something that amazing Spider-Man too, although I love the movie. I mean, I always love Spider-Man movies. They kind of glaze over, you know, it's like, Oh, it happened. Um, Cause we're trying to get this storyline in, but him telling that story about it didn't get better just because I was angry and I almost killed someone, mm-hmm. um, you he- know, and then, Peter oh, go ahead. Toby, when he talks about, I did find the guy who I thought killed Uncle Ben, and I did kill him, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have a question, Ryan, because the 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 fact that we got this only happens obviously with the Sony Marvel merge of stuff of stuff, but I I didn't think they'd bring mcguire back but i kind of figured they would try to bring garfield back in order to tie up the threads from the amazing spider-man series i'm not gonna lie like this film made me want to reevaluate those films because i did not give them much of the time of day when they came out um but like garfield's great in this movie like he is he is absolutely crushing every single moment he has given um, and Maguire hasn't lost his touch. Um, yeah, I think this movie makes all those movies better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Infinitely. So it's almost like you get, you not only get an amazing Spider-Man three out of this in a certain respect, you also get the Spider-Man four. We never got, which so is kind of cool. I'm going like to give a shout out. Game of Spider-Man. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm gonna give a shout out to the score because it was mm. awesome. Every time a villain showed up, they played the theme from the movie mixed in with the no way home themes or the music they made new for it. Um, I, yeah. Um, it's just, I, I just, I can't say enough about how much I love this movie. Um, I have a question and, though. Like how damaging is it really that people don't remember Spider-Man? Because I'm pretty sure like computers have a record of everything he did with the Avengers and, and Stark industries. So I'm like, all, all someone has to do is just like accidentally open a file and, you know, eventually people can start connecting well, the dots, right? Well, I mean, it's not like the spell I mean, erases get, the computer memory, right? Get like a comic bookie in it. It's the spell. So even if you see something with Peter Parker associating with Spider-Man, you don't see it. So he basically has <laughs> changed the fabric of the world um, by it. And yeah, I mean, because he, I mean, that's what I mean at the beginning is it's an origin story because Peter loses the most important person to him, which is his Aunt May. And then he makes the decision that 
I can stop this if nobody knows who I am. Not that I'm Spider-Man, but who I am. And by doing that, it's so clever because you basically reset Spider-Man where now he's by himself. I mean, he lives in a shitty apartment again. He has a homemade costume. He's lost all the Stark tech. And he's just Peter Parker. And I mean, I guess the only one I wish, I wish there was rent. I wish that guy was his landlord. But, you know, we got, we all can't get what we want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I fucking loved this movie. Can, and, I, can I talk about my favorite moment in the movie real no. quick? Really no. quickly. No, Willem you had your Defoe, chance. Will, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to. Willem Dafoe. Um, uh, you know, I, I there is a moment. There's several moments throughout this film where we get certain things rectified from Raimi. Not that there's needing to rectify, but like when we get rid of that mask. Um, and Dafoe's face is perfectly shaped to be the goblin without a mask. But when they inject the cure in him, there's this moment where Defoe just looks around and they go and he goes, what did I do? Or what yeah. have I done? And I'm like, this is the first time since that serum back in the first Spider-Man movie that he has felt any sense of normalcy. That's insane yeah. to think about. Like, I'm so happy they brought him back. If, if, even if it was just for like a small moment like that, like I'm glad we got him as a big co-star, but Jesus, like that was just, it's honestly, Ryan, I like his performance here better than the first spider-man and that's saying a lot because i love that first spider-man well, i think here though it, it helps the performance because you you know what happens to him yeah and you know he can't control it so if you go off of that then he yeah it's i mean it's a way it's a it's a better performance because his turn is it's heartbreaking and scary at the same time it is um because it's yeah i just just everything about it and and then you know even electro um when he gets his cure and he's talking to <laughs> andrew garfield and he says you know you help poor people and all that stuff i just thought you'd be black underneath the mask and he's basically saying that miles morales is, is, is around and well he's hoping uh, that there is but we all yeah. know because of the end of the spider-verse we know there's a miles morales out there exactly so those are kind of like the wink winks that the audience knows um but even then because i think jamie fox is so great as his because he's also you're waiting for him to turn too because he doesn't want to lose his power um yes yeah because yeah, when go back to being a nerd yeah um was there six villains or just five just five just five so we didn't really get a sinister stick six out of this right no i mean i guess venom's at the end but <laughs> yeah i mean i think so, five was already a little crowded because like ryan was kind of saying earlier they didn't really do much with the lizard yeah they literally said like oh he's not coming up because we <laughs> we don't want to see giant into the apartment <laughs> <laughs> like what's the point we have nothing for him to yeah. do Right. I mean, the villains definitely had tiers in terms of like some got more screen time than others. Like I'd say the top tier was, you know, Green Goblin and uh, Octavius and then middle was kind of like Electro and then lower tier was um, Sandman and Lizard. Because even uh, well, in Spider-Man 3, the Sandman and in this movie, too, 
he really doesn't want to be a bad guy because he even helps Spider-Man at the beginning. Um, you know, and he just wants to go home. And that's his whole thing is he wants to spend time with his daughter. And um, for what's his line in Spider-Man 3? I'm not a bad guy. I've just had uh, hard times or something like that. Um, God, that's what I've seen at least, probably. Yeah, so it's something along the lines of that. It's um, interesting because Sandman, as far as we know, is going back to die. Because Sandman lives at the end of Spider-Man 3. Yeah, um, but remember, uh, Pete, uh, well, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man looked for a way to wanted a way to help him too and so he kind of is able to help him uh yeah and the lizard in amazing spider-man he uh he saves peter parker in that one after he turns back to dr kirk connors he's just um as a lizard he's smart and he knows it and he, he never really wanted to be part of it seems like the evil scheme that the green goblin and electro did anyways right he was just kind of there and i mean because he when the goblin and pete are fighting in the condominium he says you know he grabs him and throws him back in and says i told you this was going to happen mm-hmm. and runs away uh i have a question but, though uh yeah like so now you've got this you know there's obviously gonna be another solo movie but like what do you do villain wise because you've you've burned off like a lot of the great Spider-Man villains in this one movie. So I guess whatever they going forward with like this new version of Spider-Man, I guess you get to use Craven, Rhino and Scorpion. Like what's the other yeah, big, big or, things? I mean, obviously they're setting up Venom. Um, Ryan, yeah, Venom. Ryan, Ryan, we set yeah. up the fact that we can bring back Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. And <laughs> I don't think we should miss that opportunity. <laughs> it's great. It was um, seeing them in this, like it also means that there's not going to be like a, this universe version of Goblin or Doc Ock or Sandman, you know? I mean, you I could think always... it'd be cool if they made an original villain. Yeah. Um, it's hard because I mean, you want the fans are always going to want someone they're familiar with. And if you're going to make a villain for a comic book movie, they better be really fucking good because <laughs> <laughs> you can end up with someone like New Goblin and people are not happy. Um, well, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, if they're bringing Kingpin into Hawkeye, then what's to stop them from bringing Kingpin into a Spider-Man movie? Because isn't oh, Kingpin no. uh, he's a Spider-Man villain, right? He was in, yeah. into the Spider Verse. Yeah, his uh, his first appearance is Amazing Spider-Man number fifty. I I always thought it'd be interesting, and I, they're not that popular, uh, but I think the idea is cool. Is the Spider Slayers where um, J. Jonah Jameson hires a scientist to create uh, robots that can kill Spider-Man and their sole purpose is to hunt him down. I think that'd be a cool story. I think it'd be um, cool if they brought Black Cat in because we've never seen Black Cat in Black the Spider-Man Cat. movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. How would you how would you feel about Scorpion? Because I'm looking at a list right now and I forgot about Scorpion. Well, he's yeah, in Scorpion's- into the Spider-Verse. But he doesn't get to do much, but he's in it. He's kind yeah, of in this movie. Yeah, and technically he's in Homecoming as well. Um, Did you see the uh, silhouettes in the in the multiverse? Yeah, the Rhino yeah, and, the, and Scorpion, mm-hmm. yeah, and Craven. Um, well, I mean, they're starting to shoot that Craven movie, which I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's probably the story people want to see adapted next is Craven's Last Hunt. 
Um, Ryan, what about Hobgoblin? Because you could feasibly presume that somehow somebody develops the same tech as Norman. Yeah. I mean, could. I mean, the Hobgoblin's whole thing is he steals a Green Goblin stuff and tries to become a crime lord so he could have the Hobgoblin take on Kingpin and Spider-Man's caught in the middle. Um, yeah. I'm still looking at this list, Ryan. Molten Man? Uh, yeah. Molten Man is um, Mark Raxon, <laughs> who is yeah basically lava skin guy <laughs> i i'm okay i found my i found it guys the ultimate one kangaroo yeah there's kangaroo the grizzly Let's do kangaroo uh, well there's gonna be some uh you know a lot of possibilities here because tom holland has he's gonna be returning for another trilogy of spider-man movies maybe <laughs> that's what was floating around a couple months ago yeah well, what if uh, what if uncharted takes off they they mentioned that and he said, yeah, I'm going to take a break for a little bit. We'll see. I mean, obviously they're going to make another one. This movie's made way too much money. And it's going to be cool. More if money. They did a Spider-Man and Daredevil movie. I mean, yeah. he was in this movie and you could, they could team up to take down Kingpin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why there's, I'd be shocked if they already don't have it kind of mapped out what they're going to do. And it's really just my guess is Spider-Man might take a break for a little bit because he's been in so many movies the last five years. Um, and they're going to have those two Spider-Verse movies uh, this year and, or next year and the following. So it might be a couple years before I see Spidey again. Um, and you saw it in 3D. How was that? I was good. Um, it wasn't as good as when I saw Endgame in 3D. Uh, but like the mirror um, dimension was radical <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say like i saw in 3d2 actually 40x but yeah for most there's like long stretches of the movie where there's almost not much going on but mm-hmm. yeah the mirror the mirror universe and then the the multiverse cracking at the end in 3d yeah all looked pretty sweet yeah and you know there's the little moments uh when the condominiums falling down and the green goblins flying is looks pretty sweet um but yeah i, I don't know it wasn't because when I saw Endgame in 3D, even in the opening scene where Hawkeye is with his family, they're shooting, you know, the bow and arrow, the ground uh, that and the tree came to the foreground. So I always thought that was really impressive. Um, yeah, it was it was all right. Yep. And that's Spider-Man No Way Home. Wait, Brad, didn't you see it in 4DX? Oh yeah, did webs get shot at you? No, no. I, I already said like it wasn't that impressive, except for those two things of like the multiverse cracking and um, the mirror universe. Mm. Like the three D didn't jump out that much, and um, pretty much the only forty X stuff was like the the seats went nuts when um, uh, what was spinning. I think it was something. I forget what it was, but like something in the screen was, you know, in the movie was spinning around and the seats, the seats don't spin around, but they just like were at max, like, like you could throw someone out of a seat, like how much they were moving around. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know. Yeah. There's some site. Oh, it was um Sandman when he was like a cyclone. Oh, oh right. Yeah. yeah. Power lines. Um, 
and then um yeah then they like they would just spray gas you know when there's like destruction or demolition going on and there was a oh and like when bullets or something um or like when when web shooters would shoot like that little air blaster right next to your ear would go which actually kind of got annoying after a while because there's three spider-men <laughs> um but uh it was annoying because uh in my 40x screening there was this group of like teen girls and they just would like laugh at everything that happened like even when aunt may was dying they were giggling and so but like every time that air blaster went off you know it freaked them out and they just like scream mm. like it was a slasher Andy, movie you know you really do have just the worst theater experiences Brad. i do I, like I, I bought a seat like it was pretty packed so i had to get like a seat up in like the front but then like none of the handicapped people showed up so i took one of the handicapped seats and it was like a big open like i was in the middle for the 3d it was great and then like 30 minutes into the show these girls walked in and they like first they went to the back and then they came down the front and you know took the other handicap seats. And I was like, oh my god, just with an earshot of all their like talking and giggling for three hours. You know what? You need to go to Doctor Strange and make a wish that everybody would forget that you're sitting in a in a theater. So then that way they don't they don't come near you. What the Alamo Wait. needs to do is get 40x. Yeah. Um, um, also, isn't like. Spider-Man making a wish like your least favorite Spider-Man story and yet this movie's awesome. Uh well, it's the only reason I don't like that one is cuz he made a deal with the devil. Um Mephisto? Yeah. And he did that to save Aunt May's life. So Mephisto erased um Peter Parker's identity from everybody. And hmm. Oh no, actually sorry, it's really convoluted. Mephisto was willing to save Aunt May if he, if Peter Parker and Mary Jane's marriage never happened. Pete went to Doctor Strange to make people forget that he was Spider-Man. And then Harry Osborn randomly showed up again. Um, it was really convoluted and stupid, but they, they uh, fixed that this year. So, um, and in a really satisfying way. This, entire this, this, seemed to, this seemed to streamline it though, because I've, I've yeah. heard Craig tell that doing Mephisto in the MCU seems impractical and impossible. <laughs> he, uh, he's a villain in uh, Multiverse of Madness. I'm just going to keep saying that for every Marvel project, like everybody else. Eventually, he has to show up. <laughs> yeah, the Multiverse of Madness looks cool. Trailer oh, at the yeah, end. It's really great. Yep. That was probably the biggest surprise of me for me because. Internet spoiled everything, guys. <laughs> yeah, I you already don't... knew the uh, the spider member showing up. I knew Aunt May was gonna die. I, well, you don't have to I, go on the internet looking for it. <laughs> it just shows no. up. I didn't do it. Here's Grant, I saw the Spider Man spoilers months ago. Corinne, I'm I'm sorry. This is a place where I am gonna I am gonna take Ryan's side on this. You probably should have just avoided this. <laughs> no, I'm gonna defend Corinne. I even wrote it in my review of just like, you know, how cool would have this movie have been if you didn't know the Spider-Men were going to show up like it would have been on par with like uh, Captain America, you know, lifting up Milner, you know, like mm -hmm. I knew that stuff months ago too, just because, you know, without even trying to look for it, you know? Well, that's just, but yeah, it was speculation that they were going to show up, but uh, Corinne sent me a message. She seeks the stuff out like on Tumblr. I don't, I don't seek it out. It just appears. People yeah, don't tag don't... their spoilers, man. You don't have to go on Tumblr. 
I just I came across that stuff just looking on, you know, just browsing Twitter and not even like looking for yep. movie stuff, you know. Yeah, that's why I don't go on Twitter around this time either because they do it all the time because Twitter is the worst. Well, social Facebook media pushes ever. like those those shitty like geek news sites and like they always have those fan theory bullshit ads. It's like oh, there's a uh, someone's thinking about like what if this movie has Spider Man in it? I'm like oh. That'd be cool well, if I never thought of that idea. Well, I mean, you kind of already knew. I guess there's this really funny uh, video of paparazzi following Tobey Maguire. And they asked him if he is in the new Spider-Man movie. This is, I don't know, like a month ago. And he just winked at him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Where, you know, Andrew Garfield flat out said, I'm not in it. I know I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. Um, but yeah, anyway. it's still fun. I'm okay with it. So the Multiverse of Madness trailer was amazing, especially because, well, at least the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Strange Supreme. Like, he's going to be the one of the big bads of the movie and like Prime Strange and Strange Supreme are going to have to duke it out. And now I'm second guessing whether it is Strange Supreme because the character design and the costume isn't quite right. Uh, We'll see. I think it is. I read somewhere that it is because uh, I think it was Kevin Feige that said that you should watch what if before you see it. As I was telling you in text, I mean, it I'm definitely leaving open the possibility that it is him, but I'm also leaving open the possibility that it's not or that it's like basically him, but they won't like actually confirm it. You know what I mean? It'll yeah. Just be- like just vague enough so that people don't actually have to watch what if you know what I mean? Yeah. But obviously, he's seeing an evil version of himself. So, right, he's like he's like the Star Trek mirror version of Doctor yeah, Strange. It's pretty kind much. Of funny. I like pretty the whole much. things just got out of hand because I'm like, ha, hands. Good, <laughs> good one, Doctor Strange. <laughs> Ryan, can you give me a? Can you give me your speculation on whoever Bruce Campbell's going to be? Oh jeez! Yeah. Um, uh, gee, I don't even know. I mean, he's going to be something silly. Um, he's going to be the uh, the landlord of the <laughs> Sanctum Centorum. I don't know. That would be that would be both stupid and wonderful all at once. <laughs> well, we see that Christine Palmer is getting married, and presumably not to Doctor Strange. So maybe she's oh. going to be marrying Bruce Campbell. She she couldn't have picked a better mate. <laughs> yes. Cool. So yeah, see Spider Man. It's awesome. Yeah, do yeah. it. I sure hope multi multiverse of madness starts queuing up this next arc of movies because even after this one, I'm still wondering like, what is the point of all this? Like, what if and Eternals like leading up to multiverse um, and shang chi and credit scene like it yeah it's leading up to the multiverse but it's like it's been like what six movies this year <laughs> and i'm just like what is the point of all this like what is where's where are we headed i'm so lost i mean like, maybe there isn't well I, i'm sure they'll figure out a big bad eventually but for now i'm fine with these smaller store well smaller relatively speaking stories of just you know different characters doing different stuff loki meeting different versions of himself spider-man meeting different versions of himself uh shang chi getting introduced fighting his dad you know the usual yep 
<laughs> well, I mean, Kang shows up in uh, Quantum Mania for sure. Um, and we so, still got the Celestials floating around. Yep. Is uh, Ant Man two years out still? Uh, yes. Or is it next year? Maybe it's next July. I think it's twenty twenty three. Strange is Strange is May. March. I thought it was March. No, it's moved to May. Uh, um, I forget what else is coming out next year. Back in away. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Yeah, twenty twenty three, July twenty eighth. Yeah. What comes out next year? Then it's Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh yeah, Black Panther. Uh, no, I think Black Panther got postponed too, didn't it? Because uh, uh, Letitia Wright got hurt. Uh, Google still says November twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, maybe just push it to November. So you got yeah, Thor's summer. Oh yeah, that movie I can't wait for. <laughs> yeah, July eighth, ooh, day before my birthday. Yeah, nice, cool. Hey, what's happening in movie news? It's real news. Um, yeah. So Spider-Man in No Way Home made $260 million domestically at the box office. Yeah. And I, um, I was reading it made 40 million yesterday. <laughs> that's ins- it's, I mean, we, there had to be a movie that was going to bring things out of the surge, like, or out of this like dearth of activity at the box office. Um, 600 million globally. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to rain on the Spider-Man parade too much though, but I will point out that come on guys, go see fucking nightmare alley and West side story. It's not that hard. They're just as good. That's all I'm done. <laughs> just as mm, about that. <laughs> mm, uh, I, I, I have yet One to go is into the night- culmination of 20 years worth of Spider-Man films. And the other is Steven Spielberg doing a musical, um, which was great and amazing. And I already have for everybody. I already have my plans for Nightmare Alley this week, but this just this 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 unfortunately doesn't make me smile all the way because I'd like to see all these films do great. So um anywho though, this does indicate that there is still interest in seeing a movie in a movie theater, so movies aren't dead. Um and you should could frankly should continue going to see them in a theater each and every week. Um Moving on, we got another trailer for the Harry Potter 20th anniversary reunion. Ryan, are you excited for this? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're the bigger Harry Potter fan out of all of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I, I love Harry Potter. And it, I mean, yeah, I'll sit down and watch them reminisce about it. It's just weird um, seeing them all grown up. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> there's the there's that uh, like save image on the trailer. And it's just like, yikes, this is. Just give us the cursed child already as a movie or something. <laughs> it could. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. Now that I'm thinking about it, let's just do that. That'd be great. It'd be a wonderful idea. Um, last piece of news that I really have uh, is that we're going to get a documentary on Beanie Babies. Anybody remember Beanie Babies? I yeah, still I have, have Beanie Babies. You yeah, do? I have a shitload of them because Laura collected them and her mom says, oh, Kellen will like these. So I have a shitload of them. Ah, there you go. Well, 
From director Yamisi Brooks comes a documentary about Beanie Babies, the stuffed toys on everyone's minds and shelves in the late 90s. Beanie Mania is an illuminating and entertaining exploration of how a children's toy spawned an unprecedented investment bubble and a frenzy of American greed. Whoa. (laughs) All this from plush bear dolls. Yikes. Um, uh, So yeah, look for this uh, on Thursday, December 23rd. So after this has already come out so uh and that's news guys really it's just spider-man saved the box office yeah spider-man saves everybody yeah go see nightmare alley and west side story um also sunday was the 20th anniversary of lord of the rings fellowship of the ring and yes, did anybody else watch the full bear no, but I saw that interesting news story where uh, apparently Weinstein, when he had the rights to everything, was so, um, uh, oh, Corinne's got the Diana uh, Beanie Baby. Oh, there Diana you go, Corinne. Came off. I have others. They're just at the bottom of the storage bin, but this was the first one I found. This is the first one you found? Oh, Yeah, I don't awesome. have any of the ones that like are worth a lot of money. I just have the ones I have. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's cool. I had the bongo, the the monkey one. Um, but you you bringing that up, Corinne, There is there was a news story because there was an interview with one of the producers, and when apparently when Weinstein had uh, the initial rights on the project, he was trying to get Jackson to cut it down to one two and a half hour movie, and he said, "If you don't do it, I'm going to bring Quentin Tarantino in to do it." <laughs> and I loved watching Twitter blow up with what ifs. <laughs> Um, because that that would have been insane and stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, well, as we know, Harry we- Harvey Weinstein is a piece of garbage. Oh yeah, and, he is. He's an immense you know, sack of trash. Not only for everything that he did to you know women in Hollywood and everyone else, but also because the bastard wanted to cut Princess Mononoke down to like a half of its actual runtime and. Hayao Miyazaki sent him like a dagger or a katana or something, and it said no cuts. And oh, it, I, it aired I, as it was supposed to, but that bastard, <laughs> I'm glad he did not get his way. I, I, I would have also accepted Hayao Miyazaki sending him a single note that says kill yourself because <laughs> that, yeah, how dare you try to cut down one of Miyazaki's films? That's, that's dumb. That's stupid. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, but yeah, no. But that is news, guys. Movies to get before the Christmas day. DVD releases and Blu-rays. All right, guys. Get ready to complete your uh, Daniel Craig uh, Bond saga cassettes with No Time to Die coming to you in 4K and Blu-ray featuring several variants, including a steel book uh, that looks pretty interesting. It's fine. It's not my favorite looking steel book. Uh, and an alternate at Target, which has Bond on uh, his uh, motorcycle from the opening sequence of the movie. And then there's also another one here uh, that is a Walmart exclusive that looks rather boring, but it does apparently come with a saffron mask keychain. And I kind of want that. <laughs> you want the bad guy's weird mask? Yeah, sure. Why not? Just be a weird, okay. random thing to have on your keys. <laughs> I go. I've, I've got random. I've got. I've got random Bond stuff around the house. I've got when I bought the box set 
of all the Bond movies, it came with a, uh, a mini diecast car from Spectre. And I'm like, I don't need this, but it's still on the shelf. <laughs> um, uh, also coming to you from Scream Factory is The Vampire Lovers uh, from 1970. Ryan, do you have this one coming? Is this a blind buy for you? Um, no, I actually own it. Um, Scream Factory released it. Uh, it was an internet only one they released about six years ago. Oh, so and now this is a mass market one. Yeah, well, this one too, and they uh, have a new transfer and new features. It's an mm. okay movie. I don't know if I want to double dip on it. <laughs> gotcha. I feel you. Um, also, coming to you from the film detective is the Sherlock Holmes Vault Collection. Uh, this contains four films uh, from the 1931 to 1937 span before Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce graced the screen with perfection. Uh, so you can get uh, the, the Fatal Hour from 1931, a study, a study in Scarlet from 1933, The Triumph of Sherlock Holmes from 1935, and Silver Blaze from 1937. I've seen none of these, Ryan. I'm going to blind buy this so that I can watch some early Sherlock Holmes stuff. Right on. Um, yeah, so it can't go wrong there. Uh, Demon Slayer, the movie, uh, Mugen Train, uh, coming to you uh, from Funimation Entertainment. I don't, I believe this is the one that was released in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but um, like secretly made like a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Surprised everyone. We're going to talk about Demon Slayer later in what we've been watching, Corinne, along with some more Fruits Basket. So, (laughs) yeah. But uh, also, uh, woke up this morning, get yourself a copy of Many Saints of Newark on Blu ray only. No 4K available from what I see here. Um, Oh, never mind. There is a 4K because, of course, there would be. Um, also coming to you from Shout Factory is Lady in a Cage from 1964. What happens in this elevator is not for the weak. It is perhaps not even for the strong. Do not see it alone. Lady in a Cage. This is a movie that got a lot of talk about, uh, talk about it when de Havilland passed away. Um, cause she followed in that trend with other actresses of the era where they were relegated to horror roles, but they just chewed up the scenery and did everything with every moment they could get on there. Uh, also, you can get Mary Pickford's film Sparrows from 1926 coming to you from VCI. Um, and it's not much else, really. It seems like a slim pickings for the week of uh, uh, for the uh, for the lead up to Christmas. Usually is. Yeah. Next next week's though is fun because you get the Shawscope Volume One from uh, Arrow and French Dispatch. Cool. That's it. We watch stuff throughout the week in a segment I call "What We've Been Watching." So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what you watch this week? Uh, a lot of TV. Um, I rewatched. The Dick Van Dyke show, all five seasons. Yeah. That was great. Um, but really, uh, I rewatched The French Dispatch for my seventh time this year. Wow. Is that the movie you've seen the most? It's tied with uh, Suicide Squad. So if nice. I can get one more screening in before it leaves theaters, probably next week, then uh, it might take the crown. But uh, yeah, the other thing I watched was uh, Nightmare Alley. Nice. Oh, nice. So. Stay so tuned. That's our Zach. film of the week. Are we doing <laughs> that, that next week? Uh, no, it'll be the week after. 
Yeah, the week after. It's going to be the final regular episode. How is Nightmare Alley? So In a word. <laughs> so after Matrix, we're doing Nightmare Alley and uh, Kingsman? <laughs> yep. Okay. I just need uh, to know for like, I'm making images and stuff ahead of time. You know. Yeah. Uh, Zach requested Nightmare Alley uh, about two months ago. So well, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> please, please do. I have not had an opportunity to go yet. Um, I'll just say it was boring. Oh fuck you! <laughs> was it really, you know, or are you just fucking with him? You know, you know what, Brad? The Suicide <laughs> Squad is a fun trauma movie, and comic books have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm being serious. I, I like. I think the movie starts halfway through. Okay. Well, I would ask you to watch the original, but we know you're not going to do that. I didn't know it was a remake until after I saw it. So, gotcha. I recommend uh, the the original is fantastic. I'm super excited to see what Guillermo del Toro does with it. So after I, I didn't that. know it was a remake until you just said that. No, yeah, yeah. with Tyrone Power and Joan Blondell. Yeah. After I found out, I was like, yeah, I can see this movie like, being the same movie as the one from, like, I don't know, 50 years ago. Uh, spoilers for my soon-to-be-released favorite Blu-rays of 2021. Oh, it better Nightmare be on that Alley list. Makes it on the list. Damn right it does. God, that's a great Blu-ray, Ryan. That's a great fucking Blu-ray. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Well, right on. Thank you, Brad. I'm super excited to debate this with you on the final regular version of real nerds podcast before we reboot yeah uh i guess that's all i watched uh i watched discovery season four they're on now and um it's it's less serialized and a lot there's a lot of scenes of people just being like you know you can always count on me and i believe in you so that's a little boring um, yeah fuck those people <laughs> um yeah I think that's it for me. Corinne, what'd you watch this week? Oh, lots of Christmas stuff, but um, I'm going to focus on the TV shows because I've been watching a lot since I was on last time. So I'll talk about uh, three TV shows. I've been watching Foundation with my dad on Apple TV. And we're there's 10 episodes and we're on the fifth one. So we're about halfway through. Um, it's pretty good. I, I definitely wanted to watch more episodes, but I have to wait for him. Um, so I'm like, dang it, like there's like mysteries and there's conflict and stuff. And I'm like, I want to see the resolution here. And it's like, ah, dip. Nope. Got to wait. Okay. Um, but the premise is that there's this uh, mathematician uh, who's, uh, is it Jared Harris? I can't remember who plays him now, but um, he basically foretells the downfall of civilization in this like space age colony empire and um, the emperor who's played by Lee Pace, um, which that whole thing is really cool. But, um, you know, basically sends him and his followers into exile and they are uh, they, they are the foundation. They are basically supposed to catalog all of them as much of human knowledge as possible for like the people who come after like the downfall of civilization so that, you know, there's this supposed to be this like period of darkness. And instead of it being tens of thousands of years, they only want it to be like a thousand years. And so they're trying to catalog as much knowledge as they can to shorten that period of darkness before humanity rises and civilization returns. So they get sent into terminus at the very end of the universe 
and it's really cool. There's a lot going on and, you know, murder mysteries and war. And I just love the concept of the emperors. So uh, Cleon the first is the emperor and he ends up cloning himself to be his successors. And so there are three clones at any given time and they're called brother Dawn, brother day and brother dusk. And so it's kind of cool because um, you jump around in time. So you jump forward like 35 years. And by the time you do that, the one that had been brother Dawn, which was the youngest one is now brother day. And you can see like the things that happened 35 years ago are still affecting him psychologically and how he sees the world. So it's really cool. And Lee Pace um, does a really great job of playing different versions of the same, not the same clone, but like different clones of the same guy that have been impacted by different things. It's a bit hard to explain. You'd have to see the show. It's pretty good. Uh, I'll report back once I have seen the whole thing, but um, I recommend it based on what I've seen so far. So then um, the other show I've been watching is The Little Mermaid. The TV show, not the movie. Obviously, I've seen the movie, but I watched the TV show a lot when I was a kid. And there, it's weird because there are some episodes I remember so vividly, like even down to like the songs and like the cadence of the way that the characters speak and like different scenes. Is this a cartoon, Corinne? I don't even know what this is. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cartoon. It was on the Disney Channel. Yeah, it was like 92 to 94. I remember it. Yeah, I remember watching it on the Disney Channel back when I think the Disney Channel was only on like satellite or something. I don't remember. My grandma had satellite. And so the only way I could watch it for a long time was at her house. So that was kind of like my special treat was whenever I got to go over to grandma's house, um, her and my grandpa would usually take a nap in the afternoons. And they'd let me stay and stay up and like watch TV while they were napping. And so I usually got to watch The Little Mermaid because that was usually what was on at that time. So I have a lot of fond memories of sitting there and watching the episode about, you know, Stormy, the seahorse that she wants to ride off into the wilderness and all this stuff. Um, but it's kind of weird because, like I said, there the some episodes I remember really, really well. And then other episodes, I'm like, I don't remember this at all. So um, season one is actually really good. Um, you know, very much in the vein of, you know, the little mermaid. Was that you, Ryan? Did you snort? Yeah, sorry. It's, they bring back they bring you, back I'm looking this up. They bring back Kenneth Mars to play King uh, Triton and they got all of the um, voice actors come back. All of no, them. No, well, no, because Scuttle was played by Buddy Hackett in the okay, first Okay, everybody film. but Scuttle. Scuttle doesn't show up till season <laughs> three anyway. <laughs> played by but, Maurice yeah. LaMarche in the show. Pat Carroll comes back to do Ursula in a couple of episodes. Yeah. The voice look- cast they got for this. Um I'm yeah, looking like said, at it. It aired the... from 92 to 94. How did I, how did this never rerun for us? It's weird. It's on Disney Plus. We all want to watch it. I'm curious now. <laughs> so I will tell you that some of the guest voice actors who come in and help out sometimes, uh, one of them is Jim Cummings, who mm-hmm. is in quite a few episodes. Um, he's just there doing various characters. Um, so he comes in, Tim Curry plays the evil Manta who pops up in like maybe five or six episodes. Mark Hamill is in two episodes. <laughs> I just uh, read this. Play- he plays Han Christian Anderson. <laughs> he does. Yeah. That was one of the ones I remember is that Hans Christian Anderson goes underwater in this like little submarine thing and he Aww. gets stuck. And so the little mermaid and her friends have to free him. 
<laughs> and then it ends with like King Triton's voice actor going like, you can find Hans Christian Andersen books at your local library. I was I, like, I'm, okay. I'm reading this right now. The, there's a character called the Magical Wishing Starfish that's voiced, voiced by the late magician Tony Jay. Uh, he's a giant starfish. Oh, yeah, Tony Jay was in it. He's a giant starfish with a beard and crown because of course he is. <laughs> Yes, that is the episode that is incidentally the highest rated episode on IMDb um, because they introduced the character of Gabriella, who is a deaf mermaid. And they based that character on a girl who was a fan of the show in the first season. And so when you wish upon a starfish, starfish was an episode in the second season. And then she comes, the character of Gabriella comes back in season three. Hmm. So, yeah, and then also Clancy Brown is in an episode, and um, Ron Perlman shows up at one point. So Please tell me, please tell me he plays Hellboy. He plays Apollo, so have okay. fun with that. That's as close as I'm going to get. Did you all watch, like, Disney shows back in the day? I just yeah. don't did remember Did you see this. the Aladdin Rescue show? Like, I remember watching the Aladdin show, too. Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. That was yep, yeah, that's what I watch. Those ones. I remember the Aladdin TV show, kind of. Um, I don't remember any specific episodes, but I remember the intro was awesome. I remember the Timon and Pumbaa show. I do remember that. Um, gargoyles. Yeah, no, I'm drawing a blank on everything else. I watch Gargoyles. Um, I don't know. I just watch The Little Mermaid a lot, so I have yeah. a great fondness for it. But anyway, season one is actually pretty good, and then season two and three, I think they had different like head writers or producers or something because the quality kind of starts going downhill. Like I'm in season three now, and I'm like, God, each episode is not so much a treat; it's like a chore to get through. And I on I don't know if they just ran out of ideas or if the execution was off, but. It's just not very good. Like there's an episode where Sebastian gets kidnapped and he gets taken by an evil scientist who wants to do experiments on crabs. And it's just weird. It's really weird. But there's some some really good episodes in season one. And honestly, like the writing and the humor is perfect. And they just shit all over Sebastian. And I love it. And it's not in like a mean spirited way. It's more just it, it's it's not like Toby from The Office. It's more like <laughs> I don't know Jason in The Good Place or something. It's 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 just it 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 disheartens me because all he's trying to do is keep his job. You understand? He's just trying to keep his job, <laughs> and everybody has to fuck with him. Well, there are definitely some continuity errors between the TV show, the original movie, the sequel, and then the sequel slash prequel, the Little Mermaid beginnings or whatever it's called. It's a, but, it's a pretty convoluted franchise. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then the last thing I'll talk about is uh, Hanyo no Yashihime, the Inuyasha sequel. Um, they're kind of finishing up this arc now every all the characters have been on their separate adventures and now they're starting to come back together again and man this show just really wants to like kill me by making me cry because man they are just so the main character Toa she's being psychologically and emotionally tortured right now by the main villain who is also responsible for separating the main characters from their parents for 14 years 
and cursing their mom to die. And because of that, she's been in a coma inside of a magical tree for 14 years. Complicated. Um, but now she's dying because of brouhaha. And so she asked the younger daughter to go save the older daughter. And it's just, man, it's a lot of emotional, like just sorrow. And I, I know it's going to have a happy ending, but it's just a lot of drama and sadness right now. So anyway, Hanyu no Yashihime, watch it if you want to cry. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But it should, should the next episode that we're going to get on Christmas should be really good. We're getting um, some, they're wrapping up some storylines and we might get some of the uh, the old characters who have been missing for a while. They might start returning here. So anyway, that's what I've been watching. Zach? All right. I didn't watch it a lot, but um, uh, Corinne, I'm glad you're here because we can talk, talk some Fruits Basket. Um, so, uh, so I, heard, I was listening to your guys's um, the West Side Story episode today, and I heard yeah, you say, like, I, I, I wish Grant was here, we could talk about Fruits Basket. Yeah, I need your help. So, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I am currently um, two more episodes in, so I watched episodes three and four. Um, and so, um, uh, is Keo. Is is slowly becoming my most interesting character to watch um, because he is. You want to immediately kind of say like, "Oh, he's just some antisocial brat," but they do this incredible thing with him and Toru finding a connection that just floored me. <laughs> like, I was just like, in this, and these episodes aren't that long. Like these are like twenty three to twenty seven minutes. I want to say, yeah. Um, yeah. I it, it's hard to tell because I watch them on Hulu with ads, um, and they find a way to turn around that character so quick, while also giving additional elements of of of, of Yuki because. I, I I love how Yuki basically goes like, man, like. Keo doesn't realize how great he's got it because he doesn't get burdened by the same things that I do as a member of the actual Zodiac. And I just love that they're already setting up this dynamic. Like, I love that this is character-based and that the, there isn't like, so far as I can tell, there isn't this overarching like villain plot or anything like that. Like nobody's coming to collect any stones. Why are you giving me that look, Corinne? Why are you giving me that look? no no please don't tell me this is an mcu situation <laughs> there there is an overarching antagonist is it is it uh i guess i shouldn't even ask but it, I'm, I'm having a guess and say it's uh has to do with the person who runs their entire house yeah, yeah the head of the summer household yeah 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 gotcha all right so um but the other thing in episode four we get um shigure uh, or, or I'm sorry, Kagura, um, the boar. Yeah. And uh, something that uh, something that I have learned to adjust myself to is the fluctuation of humor to ser ser seriousness on this version of the anime show. And when I 
I cannot help but laugh my butt off when Kagura is smacking the shit out of Kyo. <laughs> like, I'm like, I missed you so much. <laughs> just, there's like just moments of that show that really work well because it's a character based show for the most part. Um, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Um, I'm going into episode five, which I've been told um, that is is going to give me the origin of the title of the show. So um, we will uh, we will see where that plays out. But I also watched the first episode of Demon Slayer on Netflix, Corinne. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Uh, I know a lot of people who have and they like it. it I don't know. Maybe I so- watch it one day, but. So every, everybody needs to bear with me because I'm I'm trying to remember the char- the specific character names of the show, but this this kid goes off to sell coal in a town, and they live in like the woods. He goes back home one night, and uh, a person um, on his way over says, "Like don't don't travel anymore tonight. The demons are out there. Come stay in the house." And this kid is like, he's got an extra sense of scent. Like he can smell, like he, he's got like, he's able to detect stuff through his, through, through scent. And he gets told about the legend of demons. He goes home and his entire family is slaughtered. And it is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's unapologetically brutal. Um, he finds out that his last, um, uh, the the last remaining member of his family is still breathing or still warm is the word that she, that he uses she's still the only one that's still warm so she's he's carrying her across the woods and then suddenly she pops up and starts attacking him because she has been infected by a demon and she is seemingly coming out of it and begin to recognize her brother when an actual demon slayer shows up and the 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 majority of the episode is literally a standoff between the demon slayer and the brother and so this this show really only like so far it only has like four or five scenes really with very minimal location and it gets the most out of its storytelling like i i was i was floored by it and it looks beautiful there's some two and a half d anime uh, action going on there with the forest environment um, so you can kind of see like so a little bit more of like a 3D like a Pixar kind of look to it but then it goes right back to a flat 2D style um, and again I am not brought up to speed on anime that's been coming out within the last 10 years so this is like I'm sure this is like been done in other pieces but um, Corinne I think you might enjoy it but I know you don't like violence and horror and stuff and this one has horror adjacent imagery and lots of blood <laughs> so as um, a lot of shonen anime does uh yeah actually i watched a couple of episodes of fire force with my sister she's been you know starting it up and i haven't watched shonen anime in a while but yeah it's all very a lot of the same tropes so gotcha. it's like oh the who's you know main character's got a power up and they got some killer move and then no oh, there's a quest of revenge or something and it's like wow i would give Not this like a derivative sh- but it's like okay after you've seen like five of them you're like i've seen pretty much every anime <laughs> well i'll tell you corinne this one impressed me so i would urge you to give it a shot and the good news is you have a lot of time to catch up because they still i think there's only one season on netflix now 
So, I mean, like I said, I know oh, it was two. really yeah. popular when we were at um, not Pop Culture Con, Fan Expo. Um, I'd say about like one out of every five people or one out of every five merch items was Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of cosplay from it too. Now recognizing what the characters look like, there was a lot of people dressed up as the sister. So, um, but yeah. And then the last thing that I watched was um, I went to an Alamo brunch with my girlfriend to watch her favorite holiday movie, The Holiday. Um, I'd never seen it before. Uh, Ryan, this movie That's is the really... one where they switch houses, right? Yeah, Ryan, this movie's got a lot of Golden Age Hollywood references in it up the wazoo. So I think you might enjoy this movie. Um, uh, is it the Queen Latifah one? No, 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 no. Um, it's um Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jack Black, and oh, yeah, uh Jude right. Law. Um I've seen this, but it's been a really it's been like 10 plus years. I adored it. So Cameron uh, so so Kate Winslet plays a journalist who is pining after this asshole uh who has ignored her for three years after they broke off a relationship of sorts and uh, she finds out that he's getting married and she is obviously despondent because she's pining after him. And part of the lesson is that she needs to let, uh, she needs to tell him to go fuck off, but, uh, she's trying to seek some sort of escape. Meanwhile, in LA, uh, Cameron Diaz is a movie trailer editor, uh, who has found out that Edward Burns has cheated on him on her. So he, she proceeds to punch him really fucking hard, uh, outside of their house. Uh, in a very um, triumphant fashion, and then is seeking a getaway of her own. And Diaz and Winslet find each other on this like house swap site for vacationing. Um, and so they basically live in each other's houses for a holiday. Um, and uh, both are kind of looking to escape a man of some kind or like a relationship. Um, but they end up finding love as these movies can wonderfully do when they're done correctly. And uh, in the case of Cameron Diaz, she runs into Jude Law, who play, plays Kate Winslet's brother. Um, and uh, he is charming as all sin in this movie. Like it's dis- it's it's beautifully disgusting how wonderfully charming he is in this movie. Um, like I I was like I was swimming over him like the entire time. Like he's just so fucking wonderful. Uh, and Jack Black is equally as wonderful as a guy who was friends with Cameron Diaz's ex that runs into Kate Winslet while in L.A. Um, and they start hanging out. And it's Jack Black in 2006. So you're getting him for a, for one reason, which is to play off of his comedy persona. But he melds it really good with this emotional core surrounding his own relationship. Um, so the movie, though, has a secret weapon and it's Eli Wallach playing uh an aged screenwriter who thinks that everybody's forgotten him and um so it's a secret geezer exploitation movie in the process and um these movies know how to steal my heart when they do a scene where he says earlier oh uh, i'm not going to go to this award ceremony honoring my career nobody will remember me it'll be 11 people and then they take him to an auditorium and there's a whole audience applauding him and his career in Hollywood back in the forties. And so it just was like catnip to me. <laughs> um, uh, so, but it's, it's great. Um, I, I appreciate Nancy Meyer. I'm glad I caught this one. Um, and uh, I had never been to an Alamo brunch before and recommendation. Those breakfast tacos are fucking delicious. 
So um, overall, it's a fun time. Um, I I didn't I really didn't have any problems with the film. Like for a movie from 2006 that's dealing in the rom com territory, it held up surprisingly well. Like so, like I'm 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 glad to see that it's been able to translate past the year it was made. So and that's all I've been watching. You're making me want to rewatch it, Zach. My parents it's, and I have been watching like a Christmas movie every night and it's usually something stupid. It's, so it's, I will have to tell them like, we need to watch the holiday because I don't know if they've seen it. It's kind of a Christmas movie, but it's also kind of uh, just a general holiday movie. Um, I think it's a Christmas movie. It's Christmas movie enough that it counts. Yeah. Also, Cameron Diaz is great and I wish she'd come back. I I like her. She's really good. She's fun to watch. Um, and also it's fun watching Kate Winslet have fun because usually I tend to see Kate Winslet suffering in some form or fashion, and that's not always fun to watch. <laughs> yep. That's Ryan, it. What about you? I'm just, I'm just waiting. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. Um, I missed last week. I've, my work's been a pain in the ass lately. Um, so I'll just breeze through some things. Uh, West Side Story is really fun. Um, it it's made with a lot of energy, and uh, I yeah, I just I had a tons of fun watching it. Spielberg is still one of the greatest directors ever. Um, uh, did I talk about Psycho Gorman watching that again? I don't think so. Um, you posted. You about didn't it. like it the first time. Why did you watch it again? So I. I have a problem of I like to watch movies on Blu-ray and <laughs> join the club <laughs> as as the end of the year starts approaching. Uh, I go back and I look at Blu-rays that have come out that I might want to check out. And um, Psycho Gorman's Blu-ray is like packed. So I was like, you know what? I'll give this another go. And watching it a second time, knowing how stupid it is, made it way more fun. And, oh yeah, and when I listened to the commentary and the, and the uh, interview with the director and him talking about how he just did things because they were stupid, made me appreciate <laughs> it a lot more too. Um, so yeah, so that was fun. Um, I, I finally dug through the Blu-ray of Suicides, the Suicide Squad, and mm-hmm. and that's a great Blu-ray. I laugh every time the weasel drowns. Um, good stuff. <laughs> Did you listen uh, to Gunn's commentary where he's just like, yeah, I didn't prepare for this thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the rest of the Blu-ray is pretty great, though. Uh, there's a lot of special features on it. Um, yeah, the movie is uh, probably going to be one of my favorites for Film Explosion, which happens in like three weeks. Um, I I watched MacGruber, the TV series, and it is oh, fucking awesome. So I. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, the like oh, right you guys away, having peacock well with, just the uh, first episode because i didn't pay for the rest of the season yet oh uh, gotcha uh, well the first episode where maya rudolph is singing what happened oh <laughs> recapping the first movie so, yeah it's so great um i got sucked into the world of mcgruber immediately um <laughs> when they're uh they're he's in prison and he's that one guy says i'm gonna ch- who wants to have this rubber balls shoved up their ass <laughs> and he says i want it shoved up my ass um and then he does it himself it's just really funny <laughs> uh, i think i enjoy it more how because how much uh, my wife hates mcgruber 
um because she just doesn't get it <laughs> we're, so, we're, we're, don't worry we're here for you ryan <laughs> so brad you watched the first episode it was the first episode when mcgruber is watching uh vicky and lawrence fishburne have sex or is that the second episode it's the first episode. i watched them all i don't remember <laughs> it's the first yeah i had to hear it and see it and smell it <laughs> <laughs> I want you. I I don't want you just to use your penis to fuck her in her vagina. I also want you to fuck her in her heart. <laughs> so stupid. It's awesome. Oh fuck. Um, it's stupid and awesome. So yeah, make sure if you have Peacock uh, to watch MacGruber. That's something I, just... I think you'd like, Corinne. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, Corinne. I... Just you saying that line, Ryan, made me cringe. Yeah, that's why it's funny. Um, Yes, Corinne, you're technically correct. However, this movie is downright silly and out of its mind. And so the TV show thusly will be just that. Like, MacGruber's a a genuine first-class idiot. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) The third episode where uh, he has to strip naked (laughs) because... uh, Oh, yeah. He's being exchanged for the president's daughter, but the first thing that comes running out is the dog. And he's like, "We're a fucking dog." <laughs> he spends like the whole next episode naked too. It's really funny. <laughs> oh man, I gotta pay for it now, uh, dude. It's it's so funny. I, they better release it on Blu-ray. Um, and uh, the last thing I watched is uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's really good. Damn it's, right it is. It's funny because the trailer sells it as like this huge revenge thriller. Yeah. And it's Mm-mm-mm-mm. really him just looking for his pig. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Like they totally throw you a curveball thinking like, oh, we got Nicolas Cage in this movie. He's totally going to go off. But like every scene you think he's going to snap and it's just like, no, actually, I'm going to do something nice for this guy. If, you know? yeah. if you if you redid the marketing for this, the tagline would be "He's going to kill them with kindness." Yeah. Like that's literally the movie. Because it's just, but it's a great. I, like I don't know how to describe this movie because it, even IMDb puts it as a thriller. I mean, I guess maybe, but uh, anyways, the movie Pig Nicholas Cage plays a guy who lives in the mountains of Oregon. And he has a truffle pig who is stolen from him one day and all he wants is his pig back and he doesn't care about anything else. He just wants his pig back. Um, But as you go through this journey with him, you find out that he is this world renowned chef and he decided not to be one anymore. And it's just him going through and trying to get his pig back. And, um, the, the last dinner scene with the rich guy and his son who buys the truffles from Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah. Uh, and, Anna Markin. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes uh, you know, that dinner for him the night his wife died. It's just like so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage, it's interesting when you see him in this because you go, Oh, he's, he is a good actor because I also saw him this year say with one fucking testicle in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just refreshing. And the Blu-ray is really fascinating because there's only uh, like two special features. 
but 50 minutes of it is Nicolas Cage working with a really famous chef on how to make um, like a mushroom truffle tart and something else. And it's really fascinating. Um, I totally bought it blind. Uh, one of uh, my friends who I met through Facebook and is just a Rod Stewart fan recommended me watching it. And it was, I don't know, I think it was $9 at Best Buy. I was like, all right, whatever. And I got it. And yeah, it's really good. So it wasn't enough for me and Zach to recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the deal, bud? I thought we were friends. No, I'm sure you guys did. I just didn't remember. And he just <laughs> mentioned it, that it was a good movie. So here's what, here's what we do, Brad. Every time we want Ryan to watch a movie, we text him that title each day until he fucking does it. <laughs> now, I mean, admittedly, you guys like recommend so many movies. We all recommend so many movies to each other that I think at some point it just becomes white noise. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, you know, whatever. I'll get around to it one day. But if somebody you knew who wasn't like really into movies said, hey, you should check this out. You'd be like, oh, wait a minute. I might actually do that. That's actually a fair point. Yeah. They're a Rod Stewart fan. Obviously, they know what movies are good. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm saying. They have good taste. Now that I think about it, um, a good way to describe this movie is uh, if, if Ted Lasso was an art house film. Mm. Mm. I'm going to have to watch this then. I haven't seen Ted Lasso, so I can't comment. I just know that this movie is like probably one of the most positive movies of the year. Like is in it terms of its outlook. Somewhere? Probably one of the most popular uh, shows of the year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Hold I on. If, I think I'm looking at it right now. Is it an A24 movie? Uh, you can get it through Hulu subscription. No, 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 it's not A24. You can get it through Hulu subscription and you can rent it for $1.99 on um, Amazon. Um, the company is Neon, um, distributors mm-hmm. of Parasite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should watch it. and It might not be for everybody, but I liked it and it was really kind of short. I think it was only like 90 minutes long. It went by really fast. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, it it was just interesting. Yeah, I got to watch that Nicolas Cage cooking food thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because he wants to do it well. And this chef is kind of, he kind of berates him like, you know, you're not cutting the food right. (laughs) Like Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) Not like that hardcore. but, uh, But it's cool to see Nicolas Cage kind of just. I mean, I guess it's kind of method acting, but he's, he wants to be believable on screen. And I mean, they give you no context of why he's there learning how to cook, but that's my guess. Because um, mm-hmm. it's just him showing up and cooking. <laughs> it's in the kitchen. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and like his character's makeup and stuff. It's, it's fascinating. Um, it, it's one of my favorite bonus features of the year and it's really nothing I, I can't describe it um but yeah that's what i watched this week um this week on real nerds or next week i guess it would be our film is the matrix resurrections mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do we take the blue pill or the red pill stay tuned and find out we take the yellow pill spoiler alert <laughs> it tastes like pee until next week Merry Christmas everybody have a a nice holiday and we'll talk to you soon bye bye
Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Yay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.